0: Welcome to What's the Word podcast with myself, Nick Henderson, a resource that helps push you further in your faith by discussing what God's Word has to say about various topics that tend to trip up believers and keep us from advancing into the place God has for us. I'm so grateful you're tuning in today. And before we get into the content, I want to ask if this episode provides you any value, that you would leave a review and also share this show on your social media. Those two things help a ton. With that aside, let's jump in to today's episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I got my guy, Corey Abram, in the studio today. Corey, yo, yo, how are you yo. feeling, buddy?
1: Man, I'm feeling good. It's a sunny Saturday. It's a good day. Feeling good, man. There you go.
0: Also, guys, if you hear any panting or uh, dog sounds, it's because Louie is in the studio today, my dog. And so just ignore that if you hear it, but he should be pretty good. He's a <laughs> good Louie. He, he's a good boy. So. Yeah, man. What I said Corey, man, I'm good to hear, good to have you here today, and we are pumped to hear your story. So, why don't you share with us a little bit from the beginning?
1: Yeah. So, to kind of hop in, um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Corey, I'm 24, and, uh, I am a creative, a graphic designer, and uh, so I love all things creative. Um, I've been creating stuff, um, drawing and painting, all those things since literally the age of two. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of a little background about myself. And um, we're going to kind of bring my story back, I think, to um, mid last year, about May. So I graduated college last May, 2021. And where'd you go to college? I went to Prairie View A&M, PV, you know, even though I know probably none of y'all know that school, so... Shout out, but um, what is the mascot of Prairie View? It's a Panther. <laughs> the Prairie View Panthers, baby. Dude, you should have seen it during the Black Panther release. We went off. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> I can only so. imagine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I graduated back in May of last year. And uh, at that point, I was kind of in the job search. You know how it goes, you graduate college looking for a job. I had no internship, so I had no experience with any of that kind of stuff. And so I'm applying to, bro, literally everywhere. And I was getting no, 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 no after no. Um, people with the emails back of like, we decided to go with someone else, you know, the whole whole shebang. So I'm out of school. I have no job. So I was like, okay, what's the next biggest component of my life? And that's church, right? So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do the only thing I know how to do, which is serve. So I just hopped into, Bro, I was there Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday night, whatever I could get in, I was in there. And uh, I think I learned a lot during that time of how to selflessly serve um, people and uh, primarily students, but Yeah. And so what do you mean, like, you learned a lot about serving and in what way? Yeah. So I think it was just, it took the focus off of me. And I got kind of in my head during that time of like, man, I'm just, I'm not meeting up to like the bar that I'm supposed to, I'm not getting a job. Is something wrong with me? Am I inadequate? Am I not able to do whatever it is? And I think the Lord really took time in my life at that point to kind of slow me down and say, Hey, like, I need you to like, to keep this about me. Mm-hmm. And so I took that time to just serve. I actually used to write on my arm um, a saying that would say about you just so it was a reminder of like, Hey, even when I don't feel like serving, like it's not about me, you know? So um, that's what I did all the way up until, August. um, And that's when things kind of took a a downward trend. Um, So I go to a camp at our church and... uh, And through the summer, you're jobless? 100%. No job. Yeah. So I mean, I had the occasional like freelance opportunity here and there, but nothing consistent. So your boy was balling on a budget, man. Like (laughs) gas money was tough. You feel me? So um, yeah, there was no steady income coming in in the summertime, but you know, it was summer and you just kind of filled the time up any way you can. So Um, yeah, but then we get to August, the beginning of August, and I'm at this camp with our church, and, uh, I remember we had this form that we filled out for COVID, right, of, like, a questionnaire of, like, hey, do you have any symptoms? How long have they been? You've been in contact? And I was like, no, 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 we're good, right? So I pull up to the camp, and I'm meeting my leaders, my intern buddy and, and my other friend, and we're all leading about eight guys that week, and we get there, and about three hours into the camp, we have people on staff pull up, and they're like, hey, by the way, your co-leader actually has COVID. You've all been exposed. And so you have to like now, like quarantine your co- your cabin of kids without them knowing that they've been exposed, which was a whole... wonderful. Yeah, it was a grand time. And so that camp was from Sunday um, afternoon until about Thursday evening. I think we came back on that Thursday or Friday, I forget. But I actually got sent home early on Tuesday because it was that bad. So all of our kids got sent home. Um, we had to try to finesse, you know, like the, Hey, we had that spite pee table at lunch because we're the cool kids. Or so, Hey, that back row in the back at worship that we can't sit next to the other kids. That's because that's where the cool kids are. And they bought it, man. So we did it the best we could. But, um, yeah, I ended up getting sent home Tuesday night, uh, with a friend of mine. And I remember being like, dude, I don't feel bad at all. Like, yeah, I've been exposed, but there's no symptoms. Right. Mm-hmm. Until uh, a couple of days later. So on that Thursday is when I tested positive. Um, and bro, it was like rough yeah. like the body aches fever chills the everything you could think of <clears throat> with COVID. excuse me um was present and i remember that being a really tough time and i actually battled covid for almost a month it was like three weeks or so like you had symptoms for a straight month 100 percent, yeah and oh I, I even the symptoms may have ended a couple weeks into it but it was the residual like my lungs I have asthma too so this virus obviously attacks your upper respiratory system and so that for me was a challenge of I couldn't take a deep breath for like a month like I couldn't it was hard to even have a conversation with people like it was really, really hard. and so in that time being a creative person, my body was so weak bro I couldn't even pick up my computer to like even work on stuff and then the brain fog with that you just didn't want to make anything and so that was a really super super dark time for me and so I remember every single day waking up and I was like, dude, I'm only getting one percent better every day. And that was like a, physically it was hard, but mentally it was even harder because you're like, dude, I don't see the light at the end of this tunnel, you know? And so in that time, um, I I was on Instagram as you do when you have a bunch of free time. And I started seeing these people make these Christian graphics. And I was like, yo, I went to school for this. Like I could probably make these, you know? So um, I ended up healing up from COVID almost a month later and out of nowhere, bro, I can't even explain it. It was like a floodgate of inspiration came. Like beyond anything I've ever experienced. Like to the point where I was making nine, 10 graphics a day, like, and I can't even do that now. And I'm like, well now, you know, but back then it was like this floodgate opened up and it was only God is only reasonable explanation. And so I'm posting these things. Yeah. And
0: you mentioned too earlier that you are an artist by, you know, yeah. By upbringing. Right. Absolutely. Is it, I mean, has that always come like very naturally to you? Like was yeah. making the Christian graphics, was there a big learning curve to learning how to do that type of stuff? Or did you
1: already have the skill set to be able to do those things or what? Sure, great question. So I would say that being artistic has always kind of naturally come to me. I've always been like one of my stronger um, attributes and skills. And so for me, seeing Christian graphics, I had just never been exposed to them in that way before. I just had so much time on Instagram that I was looking at and I was like, you know what, bro, I was I just spent five years in graphic design school. Like I should be working on that, right? And I don't think there was a huge learning curve, to be honest. I was just, I'll be honest, I didn't like Photoshop at all in college. Like, I hated it. Uh, I hated every single assignment that used it. But I ended up opening it up, and I started making them. And each one I made, my passion for it grew more. So um, I just kept doing that. And I was legit just posting as I made them. And sometimes it was 10 a day, sometimes 5. So it just kind of depended on the day. But um yeah, you know, super, like, so you're
0: getting sure. after it, and this is kind of yeah. what you know began a fire within you, right? To do this 100%. more and more, I assume. Absolutely. So, what did this lead to?
1: Yeah, so this uh, it's a crazy God story, man. So I'm posting these things on my story just for fun, honestly. Of like, hey, I'm making these things. I think they're really cool. I'll share them. Hopefully, it encourages you. I remember I had a mutual friend from church growing up at second back in the day when I was like. Seven, eight, nine years old. And she reached out and was like, Hey, I've been seeing this stuff if you've posted. Like, looks really great. I have this job opportunity at my place. Like, do you want me to send you an application? And I was like, Bro, I am like broke. You feel me? Like, I have no prospects for jobs. Like, that would be phenomenal. And I'm thinking it's like some mom and pop shop thing. And what,
0: like, what time of the year is this? Because you yeah. graduated in May, mm-hmm. you get sick in August, yeah. roughly. I mean, what time of year is this, this is now? like?
1: mid-September oh my god somewhere in there yeah, yeah so yeah. it's a quick turnaround right so I was like yeah I have no money I have no job that'd be great so she sends it to me and I read it and I was like you version and I was like wait a minute I know what that is like I have the app on my phone and I was like you mean like the bible app and she's like in the bible app like it all caps the you know like, all right bro when I tell you I was like there's no way I just started making these graphics like yesterday man I'm gonna have any opportunity to be able to get that that job, but I applied anyway on faith, and um, I applied, and less than 24 hours later, I actually got an email saying, "Hey, we want to have a, our first phone interview with you." And I was like, "Whoa, that's like a really quick turnaround!" And um, so, yeah, I had the first phone interview, and that's kind of the screening process. Um, and if you guys don't know, U Version actually is a ministry of Life Church, um, and so um, Life Church has a very like strenuous interview process on purpose because they want to kind of. Um, filter out all the people they don't think are a great culture fit and don't kind of align with what they believe. And so I made it past that. And the next interviews were two. And I'm interviewing over the process of now of like a month, month and a half, right? So there's a lot of time in between. So I'm just kind of waiting to hear back. I still have no job. So money's still not coming in. And uh, we have the second interview. That one goes great. Then we have a third video interview, right? So we get to that point. And I'm like, yo, I'm at three interviews. Usually that's like a pretty good sign, but still didn't know. And I remember going to a playoff Astros game and I remember driving back home and I got this email I was like, Hey, we would love to fly you out to Oklahoma to like have your fourth um, and final interview in person. And I was like, wait a minute. Like you guys are going to pay for the flight, the hotel, the whole thing. Um, so I was like, okay, this is getting serious, but I was like legit this whole entire time. I'm like, there's no way there's too many people who are applying for this job. I'm not qualified enough. I'm not talented enough. And um, so I ended up flying up there. It was a one day, so I stayed the night, um, the next morning I had the interview, and I remember walking in, there's this table of like eight, nine people, and I was like, and they all have my resumes in their hand, and I'm like, dude, this is like scary, you know, so I get in there, interview 40 minutes, head out with this recruitment lady, and we sit there for a little bit, then I go back in and we interview again for 40 minutes, um, and then they gave me, they came out and said, hey, we love you a whole lot, and we think it'd be a great fit, so they offered me the job. And uh, flew back home with a job opportunity. So, Oh, my
0: gosh. Yeah. And so I assume you worked for the Bible app and everything was happily ever after, or, and you never had any problems again,
1: right? I mean, <laughs> would love to say that. Um, that's just not the case. And so um, I actually had another opportunity back home in, in Houston um, at the same time. And so now I had to make this choice between – I went from having no options or no choices to not having two, right, of like one is this like super big – I mean, U is like this global ministry. That's like a job, right, for any designer, especially your first job out of college. Like, what an insane opportunity. And the other job was more comfortable at home, felt more familiar. Um, I got to kind of keep my people around, my parents around, all that kind of stuff. And so really having to pray through that. Um, and I really felt that uh, I felt more peace with um, the Uversion job, and I decided to kind of step out in faith. Um, even though it was really scary going from being at home and now having to move states, so Uversion is based in Edmond, Oklahoma, so it's not in Texas, and it was like moving states now and moving all the familiar things now to go um, follow God's call. So yeah, and that's yeah. a
0: big thing too. You know, it's you know that's an, that's no small activity is to you know pick up to move to. To go to a place where I can remember being 22 years old, coming out of college and moving to Houston for the first time, it was just a massive step. You know, yeah. you don't know anybody, you don't know the coworkers. You know, a lot of people say like, "Oh, like I got this great job opportunity." It's like you don't know that's a great job opportunity. You right. think it's a great job opportunity, but you don't know how great the job opportunity really is until. You you know, you get and start working in the job. And so yep. for you, you start working in the job. How yep. was it? How'd it go?
1: Man, it was so fun. Um, so I actually moved up to uh, Oklahoma on December 1st. And uh, yeah, that's where we kind of got the apartment, got the whole thing figured out and head to the office. And it was a big learning curve. I mean, it's a very fast paced environment. They're working on things. I mean, we typically work on things four or five months out. So we were kind of working on things for like February, March and December. And I remember it's just this big place with all these people who are like, I'm pretty introverted and like laid back. So people kind of being like in your face, super excited. I was like, I'm a little uncomfortable. Um, But yeah, dude, it was fun. The work is really fun. Um, I remember just having so much fun while I was up in Oklahoma. So,
0: yeah. And so are you still up in Oklahoma? I mean, working up there right now? I mean, what, what's the case with it?
1: Yeah. So I'm currently not working in Oklahoma right now. And there's a reason for that. Um, so a part of the story I kind of left out was in this interview with you version. I started experiencing in post COVID, this is like October, November-ish. I start feeling these like super weird, like physical, what I call episodes, right? So it was like, you'd be walking in all of a sudden your right leg would feel like super like heavy. And you're like, I'm kind of dragging my leg right now. Like what's going on? Or you would get like dizzy to the point where you were super nauseous and wanted to like throw up. I remember mini golfing one time and I had to actually use like the putter to like almost as like a cane to keep myself up because I was afraid I was going to fall over. And I was like, yo, what is going on? I kind of excused it away of like, oh, maybe you eat enough food today. Or maybe you were... I don't know, maybe you just lost your balance in your new shoes or something, you know? So, um, yeah, so I was experiencing those those episodes up until moving to Oklahoma, and they really intensified once I moved to Oklahoma. So that's where it got
0: rough. And so you're up there, you're experiencing these physical episodes, what you call it. Mm -hmm. I mean, what did it end up being? I mean, what, what was the diagnosis? Did you get it diagnosed? Like, what did it end up?
1: Yeah, so there actually was a particular day when I was like, okay, this is getting too much for me to handle on my own. I remember the exact date was December 12th. So I was there for a grand total of 11 days, right? I'm at church that morning and I'm worshiping. And I remember the best way I can describe it to you is I'm standing up worshiping and it felt like my body was falling through the floor is how it felt like really weird sensation. And I remember I'm upstairs. So I'm like, how am I about to walk down these stairs with all these people around me not fall over? It was that bad. So I ended up getting in the car. I drive back to my apartment. I call my mom and I was like, like, I'm feeling these weird sensations. I feel that same kind of falling through the floor feeling again while I'm sitting in a chair talking to her. So I'm like, not only is it when I'm standing, it's when I'm sitting down. So she was like, okay, listen, I'm getting a, a, a flight. We're booking it tomorrow. You coming home. So I was like, bet. December 13th, I fly back home to Houston. And uh, at that point, we're like, yo, we got to go see some kind of doctor and get something, uh, some kind of test done. So we get an MRI done and they come back and say, yo, we found like some white spots on your MRI, which is odd for how old you are. I was 23 at the time. You know, like, we're going to send you to a neurologist to kind of get that figured out. So that's where I head. Um, I get another MRI done, and they're like, yeah, this is kind of abnormal. And we had some more appointments throughout that time just to figure out, like, what, what do you mean by a white spot? What does that mean, right? They're like, these white spots are attributing to the episode you're feeling. We just didn't know what it was called yet, yeah, right? So time goes on. We're in January at this point, I'm back home, working remotely. And uh, I go to my neurologist a couple of times. He's like, yeah, like this kind of looks like a certain disease, but we're not quite sure. We want to get some more testing done. Right. So we get more testing done. And uh, I remember end up, um, landing. Oh, cell phone. Uh, yeah. My cell phone buzzing over there. Um, on January 19th, I remember we had a morning appointment and this is the day we were going to find out like, yo, what's the diagnosis of what's going on. I remember um, that morning being a very emotional morning for my entire family. And I remember I was just like, my mom was crying, um, that morning. And, um, I remember going back, and it was that thing where, like, you know what they're going to tell you, and um, you're kind of preparing yourself for it mentally, but you're never ready to actually hear the words. And so my neurologist twists the door open, he comes in, and he looks really like bummed out. And I was like, "Yeah, this is bad. Like, if a doctor looks bummed <laughs> this out, is this is bad. This is not yeah. good, man." So um, he ends up looking up. He doesn't say a whole lot. I remember him just being like, "Yeah, you have MS," and I was like, "Oh." because that was kind of the disease they were hinting at me having, but they couldn't medically diagnose that. And so January nineteenth, they get diagnosed with MS at 23. I remember my that day just being, like, it, it took me a while to kind of process it, you know, of like, what do you mean by that? And what does that mean for the future? And all those type of things. So that's when I got diagnosed. And you had that. no context for this whatsoever. Like, there was no indicator within you that, oh, I
0: could... This is could be a thing for me.
1: No way, bro. I was like, I just thought I had balance issues or something. I don't know. I was like, something's going on, but I don't know what it is. I I'm, didn't, not,
0: I'm not drinking enough water.
1: Right. I was like, I'm dehydrated, man. I don't know, but um, I never suspected something like that, right, of this disease, which I knew a little bit about, but enough to know that there's no cure to it on paper.
0: And could you explain a little bit about what MS is? I guess yeah. in like a you know a brief brief summary, sure. just to give people an idea.
1: Yeah, because I'll be honest, I had no. I got the diagnosis. I was like, and I hear you. All I knew is that meant misses. Bro, I didn't know. I was like, miss somebody? I was like, I don't know what MS means, right? So I end up researching, and as I'm learning about what this is, essentially what MS is, it's multiple sclerosis, and that's a weird word. So uh, multiple just means multiple. And then sclerosis is like a hardening, an abnormal hardening of the tissue, right? So, um, and essentially what MS does is uh, your nerves in your body have this covering. It's called myelin. Um, and uh, what MS does is it takes your immune system, which is meant to fight off um, like things that get into your body that aren't supposed to be there, but my immune system actually began to attack the covering around my nerves, and that's what causes the kind of the miscommunication between the brain and the body. So that's what gives you all the episodes of feeling nauseous and dizzy and all of those things. So essentially, MS is your body kind of attacking itself, and there's again, like I said, on paper, no cure for it. So
0: yeah, yeah, you know. and so obviously you get this, you know, undesirable diagnosis, yeah. and so. You're in Oklahoma, but you're battling these physical, you know, episodes and things as a result of the MS. Yeah, what happens next?
1: Yeah, so once we get that diagnosis, we're like, okay, we got to go. He told us to get kind of a second opinion, and so we go to this next um, place where I'm at currently, and uh, I kind of went. I went to an MS specialist to kind of really dig deeper because as a neurologist, he goes, "It's kind of above my my pay grade to know exactly what is wrong with this or how severe it is." But so I go there, and they're like, "Yeah, we you definitely like." have MS, but we just kind of, we want to throw you on like some medication, right? Some pretty heavy stuff. And I, I, I'm i 24 at this point. This is like March-ish. I remember being like, yeah, I'm 24. I'm young. I'm fairly healthy. Like, I don't want to hop on anything heavy that may, you know, kind of disrupt any of that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so that was kind of the next step in terms of that. And we had more MRIs done and um, we keep getting results back. And yeah, so MS is a progressive disease, so it affects every person that has it differently. So um, how mine is maybe different than the person next to me, right? So someone may be debilitated, can't even walk right, but some people um, don't really experience a whole lot of symptoms their entire life and they kind of live normally. So it just kind of depends on the person, but...
0: Yeah, and this eventually affected your employment situation, right?
1: Definitely. Yeah, so one thing about version that's been so phenomenal is they've been super flexible um, with... Allowing me the the space and the time to kind of take away and, and work from home and because all my doctors are here and, uh, and you're
0: so, so you're still working with the Bible app one
1: hundred percent yeah okay. so I, at this very moment uh, I'm still working with you version and um, yeah they've been such a blessing honestly to allow me to um, have my doctors and medical team here and allow me to be able to you know work from the crib so Man, big shout out to the Bible app come on that. let's go and so Corey obviously this is a very you know. Difficult situation
0: to, to deal with, to battle through. And, you know, it's kind of like ups and downs, right? It's yeah. like, oh, I don't have a job. Oh, I got a job. Right. Wait, what? I have MS. <laughs> yeah. And then the people are kind to me, but it's still, I'm still dealing with this thing on a day to day basis. Yep. And, you know, the, the thought of medication, the, the desire to not be on it, and right. all these things, right? Mm-hmm. And all of these things and all this volatility. What
1: do you think is the hardest part about it? I think the hardest part about it, I've already kind of mentioned it, is I think the uncertainty of MS, of, yeah, it's fine now. My symptoms aren't bad right now, but in five years, is that going to be the same story, right? Of like not really knowing how my body is going to react to said medicine or whatever we choose to use to treat it. Um, So I think kind of that like mystery is the hardest part because you also have this job where you're like, uh, they're wanting you to eventually, you know, maybe make it back up to the office, but you're like, I just don't know how to give you a timetable because I don't know how my body is going to react. So I think just the uncertainty of all of that um, has been the most difficult. And then also, paired along with that, I'm also like changing my diet and lifestyle, which is mm-hmm. very difficult because, um, I want to go a little sciencey. So I'm using this thing called functional medicine, which essentially is using food to kind of heal yourself. Right. So, um, but my problem is I'm doing that while I don't really have any symptoms. So the payout doesn't really feel like it's there, yeah. you know? So you I'm have like, no
0: idea if this is working or
1: not. 100%. So I'm like, I feel like I'm just doing this and I'm choosing salad over pizza for what you yeah. feel I me? Mean? Like, <laughs> why would I do that? You know? So, um, that's been difficult too.
0: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, too, because it's often the uncertainty that people are most, like, shocked by and have a difficulty dealing with. You know, it's like, when we expect something to be horrible, it's, like, easy to find, like, the battle steps and kind of the war plan for that. But when, like, you don't know, like, the it's the problem of missed expectations of, like, I thought things were going to go this way, but they're not. Yeah. And as a result, it's hard for me to trust God in the midst of what I'm doing, whether that's, you know, MS, sickness, moving, taking another job, whatever it may be. It's, like, that missed expectation, like, dang, I thought... I thought I had this planned out, like I thought I was good, or I thought I had a a decent idea of how this was going to go down, except I don't. Right. But that's the epitome of what it looks like to trust God in the midst of volatility, in the midst of the unknown, of the uncertainty. So that's a great point. But that's a lesson that that I've learned. What lesson have you learned through all of this?
1: Yeah, man, I think um, the lesson that God really taught me um, over the last year or so I think is just to trust Him. Um, that he's working, even when you don't see the evidence of it. Um, I mean, you look at my story of how COVID actually was such a blessing of it slowed me down enough to be able to see these people making graphics, and then I get inspired to make them, which leads to a person or a friend of mine seeing them, which leads to a job, right? So it's like God actually took the, one of the lowest points of my life and actually brought it to one of the highest. So I think he's really taught me to, hey, listen, I know what I'm doing. Um, just trust me. I'm working backstage, even though you can't tell, um, and that he's faithful. You know, yeah. so. so as a result of all, all that you've gone
0: through, yeah. you know, for people listening right now, what encouragement do you have for them if they may maybe dealing with some uncertainty
1: as well? Definitely. I think um, I would say to uh, trusting God's character, man, I think um, when you look around with your eyes, things can kind of seem uncertain and um, kind of shaky, and you're not really sure which step to take next, but... Um, just give, give God your yes. I think like that's the, my story is like I just gave God um, my yes to be obedient, to follow him. And all I knew was the next step, man. I didn't know four steps on the road. I had no idea I was going to have MS. And um, when I went to Oklahoma, I just said yes to going to Oklahoma, right? So um, if you're out there and you're kind of struggling with like, hey, I don't know where I should go next, what I should do next, um, just give God your yes right now. Um, and if you're ever confused on what you should do next, just serve people. That would be my encouragement is that's what really helped me if, get the focus off of me and put it back on other people. Um, and that your story has power in it, you know, and there's almost a beautiful irony in testimony. And, and the irony is that it's our story, but we're not the hero of it, right? That God actually is the hero of our story. And, um, if you ever leave, um, someone's testimony or you hear my story and you leave thinking like, man, what a guy you kind of, you missed the boat, right? It's not about me. Um, it's about Jesus and so um, be encouraged that Jesus is worth in your life um, and in the lives of those around you um, even if you can't tell right now So, yeah, such
0: a good word and Corey we really appreciate being on today man and you know, I'm sure so many people are going to be encouraged as a result of your story
1: absolutely thanks for having me on bro
0: I hope this episode helped you out and provided you tons of clarity and encouragement if so I'd greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review and also share this show on your social media It helps more than you know. Until next time.